Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. 95.7 The Game presents Warriors World Radio. Featuring the one and only Andy Liu. Grow up. Yeah, you. Grow up. And Sam Esfandiari. So? Who are you? Why do I gotta talk to you? This is Warriors World Radio on 95.7 The Game. Warriors World Radio, Andy Liu, Samus Fendiari, Warriors, again, we're back. Sam, I don't think we go a week ever starting a show without you panicking like 10 seconds before. Like, does the <laughs> mic never work? Does the board never work? I'm always confused. My headphones aren't here, um, so going with the spare set. But, you know, we'll make, we'll make do. This is like when uh, the contacts get knocked out of Draymond's eye. You know, you just play through it. Yeah, he put he has to put it back in like four times within like 30 seconds. Um, the Warriors made do without Kevin Durant and uh, swept the Portland Trailblazers. And we get a new opponent for the NBA Finals. The first opponent that we've seen in five years. So they've had LeBron, 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 LeBron. And now Kawhi Leonard. And the Toronto Raptors. Did you see it coming? I didn't see it coming. I did not see it coming. Um, it, it's kind of weird, right? Like, we're, we're just used to, you go through the West. Is it is it Harden? Is it OKC? Is it Portland? <laughs> yeah. And then it all ends with a showdown against LeBron and, um, you know, the jump and ESPN and you know, all his teammates. <laughs> LeBron and the whole media section. That's his fanboys. But it is it is interesting because we did think it was going to be Giannis. We were on last week. I think it was last Yeah, we were on Sunday? last um we were on last Sunday. They were up 2-0. Mm-hmm. We were watching game 3 uh, while we were doing the show and you know, Toronto did end up winning that one in double overtime, but uh we we kind of spoke as if it was foregone that we we're going to get Milwaukee. Yeah, we were we talked about Milwaukee for like an hour. I don't think people are that happy. By the way, you can text in on the Chilton Auto Body text line, 957-9595. Not many people are happy about that. Uh, call in 888-957-9570. But we were, pretty much, we were pretty much ready for Steph versus Giannis and you know whether DeMarcus Cousins is going to come back and whether he can guard Brooke Lopez. And whether and KD was going to come back. That's right. That's right. We'll Instead, we get Pascal Siakam. Sam, we get Pascal Siakam. We get Kyle Lowry, who had a great Eastern Conference. We get Fred Van Vliet. That's true. Who shot 136% from three in the Eastern Conference Finals. Very impressive. We get Danny Green, who didn't show up, but seems to always play well against the Warriors. Had a great series a couple years ago for the Spurs. Um, is Kawhi Leonard the best player in the, in the in the world? It's a question worth asking right now because he just outplayed Giannis, and whew, I don't think it was that close. Well... I think it's hard to dispute at this point. The three best players in the playoffs have been Kawhi, Steph, and KD. 
Ooh. And I'm not putting them in any order. Uh, Katie went on that rampage up until the injury. And then post-injury, Steph showed, you know, he wasn't declining. He was just kind of taking a secondary role because Katie was so hot. And then what Kawhi's been doing the whole Eastern Conference has been equally as impressive. Yeah, carried them past the Sixers uh, in that Game 7 series. Went right through Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid and Tobias Harris and Jimmy Butler in that Game 7 where everybody was scared to shoot the ball from Lowry to Siakam to Marcus Gasol, and Kawhi just put him on his back and carried him through. And then went ahead and just went right through the Bucks. The Bucks who had the best record in the league, best offense, best defense, and had him packing four games in a row. Yeah, I mean, we're sitting here thinking we're going to Milwaukee, and Kawhi's just like, that laugh didn't work. Um, yeah, but I want to I take this a step back, Andy. How do you feel about this series and kind of a new opponent for the Warriors? Because let me tell you my take here. I, I don't know how to read this series. Um, this Toronto team, as far as I'm concerned, is a new team. Kawhi obviously is the best player, and he's only been there one year. So anything they did against the DeMar DeRozan Raptors means nothing, right? And uh, beyond that, they picked up Marcus All at the trade deadline. Warriors played them twice before the trade deadline, so uh, they're an even newer team in that construct. And then when you look at the two matchups, the first time they played, Steph and Draymond didn't play, and we got that classic KD versus Kawhi duel in Toronto where KD went for 51, and I think Kawhi had 37, something in the high 30s. Um, and then the second time they played, Kawhi didn't play, obviously, and Mark Gasol didn't play. We have not seen these teams play each other. I have no read for how these teams match up whatsoever. It's all hypothetical. Yeah, that's the nervous, uh, the nervous excitement, I think, as Warriors fans that you get that's different in year five of this uh, dynastic run. That's different because, you know, year one, you had the Warriors. I, I think you were a little bit nervous, but they, they pulled I mean, out They'd the never win. been there before, so we, we, we didn't had know to. what to expect. You're always going to be nervous when your team goes to the finals for the first time, NBA, Super mm-hmm. Bowl, yep. World Series. Yep, and then you've got year two where I think Warriors fans were pretty confident, pretty arrogant that they were going to win that series. Obviously, it didn't go well, but we talk about year three and four, and you get Kevin Durant, and they've become favorites to a point where you're not really worried about the opposing team in the NBA Finals. And you get to this year. And and more than that, the opposing team was a team you knew. Year one against Cleveland, okay, we didn't really know them. Year two, we we knew them, didn't go go Warriors' (laughs) way. Year three, we really knew them. And then year four, they had lost Kyrie Irving, and it wasn't the same team. I mean, this... I guess you could say, you know, even with Kawhi, there's a lot of what ifs. You know, they played Kawhi in 2016, Ooh, yeah. 17, and yeah. the infamous Zaza play, but he was with the Spurs then. The Warriors were heavily favored. That that was arguably the best Warriors team of the entire run. Yep. So as much as Spurs fans and others uh, believe that would have been a series, I don't know. That team went 16 and one through the playoffs. They probably beat the Spurs in five games instead of four. If Kawhi plays, yeah, but you know that was that was Lamarcus Aldridge. That was, I guess he did. Danny Green was on that team, but you know it was it was a different team. Yeah, and I, well, I don't know if that team's better than this Raptors team. I don't want to get into it too much, but it's like I, I don't know how great this Raptors team is. I don't because nobody does. Kyle Lowry has never been here before. Marcus Saul never been here before. Sergi Baca, close. Never been here before. But both Gasol and Ibaka, two vets who've played in a lot of high-stakes basketball. Against the Warriors. 
haven't been here with this team. Like what Ibaka did with the Thunder, does it really matter? Yeah, I guess a little bit. What Marcus All did with the Grit and Grind Grizzlies, like we know he can play in the playoffs. We know he won't get afraid of the moment. But does it really translate to how he matches up with his Raptor teammates against this Warrior team? Yeah, I don't. It's, it's going to be interesting. I, I, I thought here's the big thing in that series that I saw in in that Bucks and Raptors series. The regular season really doesn't matter that much. When it boils down to a postseason series, you kind of throw that stuff out the window. Nikola Meritic didn't play a single minute, right? Ersanio Silva, unplayable, right? Malcolm Brogdon, solid. Eric Bledsoe, not great. Eric Bledsoe had a nightmare series. And so I think, I don't know, Sam, like it, it feels like the regular season drifts further and further away from the pro season. And you see that. I mean, it's, it is Warriors War Radio for those that are listening. And I think that. You talk about the Warriors and you talk about Steph Curry and Draymond Green, you talk about Clay. These are guys that excel in the postseason at this point. And in the regular season, you know, they don't have game one, they don't have home court advantage, but they're ready to play this series. And I, I think that's the advantage there for, for Golden State. Absolutely. On the flip side, there are questions on the Warriors side. We don't know if KD will play or when he will play. Um, all the chatter around the team seems to suggest he's not playing game one. We don't know that. They're Oof. not ruling him out. But I don't know. I'll ask you, Andy. Have you heard anything that makes you think he's good to go for game uh, sources. one? Sources. Warriors World Sources. Is this Warriors? Uh, he's out game one, right? I, I that, think. You think so? Yeah. yeah. I, just based on what they're he's saying, they're and saying two. he's farther away than DeMarcus Cousins. Yep. Uh, Boogie may be back for game one or game two. Yep. Uh, and I think that changes the complexion of the series because this is good Port- or bad. This isn't Portland. Good or bad. This isn't Enos Cantor and Myers Leonard guarding <laughs> the pick and roll. I mean, this is Toronto is a elite defensive team. They're one of the better defensive teams in the NBA. They have players who can guard that pick and roll. What Portland showed us was you better have elite defenders or you don't have a chance because Steph will drop 40 on you. He'll do it, it. They never had a shot. The minute they didn't have defenders, they didn't have a shot. Yeah, and keep in mind that the Warriors were down double digits in three out of the four games. They ended up winning all four games, right? But they were down 15-plus every single game. And that's that lack of depth. That's what KD is. I mean, it was impressive. They won four games, and they swept them without KD, but they weren't blowout games. Yeah, weren't blowout games. But on on the on the other side of that, too, I, I don't think this Toronto Raptors offense is special. Um, I don't think that this is a championship offense. I, I don't believe that the role players are ready, right? You're going to have to hit threes, and great, Fred Van Vliet did, but I don't think that's sustainable in a series against the Warriors in the NBA Finals. We have Ben Golliver from the Washington Post joining us in a few minutes. Uh, if you want to join the show, 888-957-9570. Or text into the Chilton Auto Body text line 95795. We also have Logan Murdoch of NBC uh, Sportsnet joining us in the 8 o'clock hour. Yeah, we've got a big show. Uh, we've got them on. We've got the Warriors Raptors preview. It's like four days away. <laughs> so, it's insane. We, we're going to talk about Toronto turning the series around. Me and Sam are going to talk about Giannis. The report came out from ESPN that he may not be happy with the team, so we'll talk about that. Where's isn't, his next Isn't that 2019? Ooh. That report dropped <laughs> within five minutes of the game ending. Like, I've not seen one drop that quick. 
Yeah, that was uh, that might have been written a couple months ago. I think that yeah. <laughs> I, that yeah. was that was my first thought too. This is this has been sitting in the draft. <laughs> I think, uh, and it's an ESPN report, so it's it's not like it's something that people are making up, right? That's a real report. That's yeah, something it's not that it's not andy.blogspot.com. <laughs> I did not just make it up five seconds before walking in the studio. Chat, please. <laughs> so I uh, so that is something that we're reporting that is real and, and usually if there's smoke there's something that's going on behind the scenes there so I, I do take that one seriously we'll talk about that we'll talk about Steph Kawhi and KD but uh, we've got Ben Golliver back after the break Warriors World Radio Andy Luz. <laughs> <laughs> Back to Warriors World Radio on 95.7 The Game. Here's Andy Liu and Sam Esfandiari. Warriors World Radio, Andy Liu, Sam Esfandiari. Jeff is not manning the music this week, Sam, but Wes, <laughs> crushing it. Ooh, did you hear that? Sam's still not talking. Andy Andy can't even talk when the drop comes. Yeah. Just, when the drop hits. I had just... to let it let it sit for a second. Um, but that, that was great. That was great. This series is going to be great. We have Ben Golliver. I wonder if we have him on yet. I can't wait. We got Ben Golliver from the Washington Post on. Uh, we do have him. So we're just going to go straight to him. Ben, sir, how are you doing? I'm all right, guys. How are you guys doing? What's the arrogance level for this uh, upcoming NBA Finals? One to ten scale. How are you feeling? Let me let me explain the arrogance level right now. <laughs> That's about where we're at right now. Uh oh. Uh oh. Ben, Whoa. we're not worried about Pascal Siakam. That's the thing. You know, like we we understand that Fred VanVleet, you know, played really well. Kyle Lowry, but we're not. It's a bunch of role players, Ben. We're not worried about that. Yeah, well, here's the here's the obvious counter is that they're actually playing like a team right now. The interplay between Kawhi and his supporting cast has been really strong these last couple of rounds, especially. I thought they took it to a different level against Milwaukee. Uh, and when you're looking at you know Warriors Finals opponents from years past, that's never really been the strong suit, right? It's been sort of the LeBron show and everybody else standing around watching, and you know various people getting played off the court. So I think if I was a Warriors fan or a you know, Warriors World podcast host such as yourself, I might be a little nervous about these guys because it's actually a real team as, as compared to uh, you know, one superstar and a collection of individuals. So Warrior fans are feeling um, really good off that Western Conference Finals, but you do bring up a good point. Uh, Toronto does not have Enos Cantor and Myers Leonard guarding the pick and roll. A little, little stronger. Um, so it brings up the question, in your opinion, how many games can the Warriors afford to be without Kevin Durant? Because right now, it doesn't look like he's going to be back for game one. Well, I think they can win the whole series without him. So, I mean, that's where I would start. But I think the whole formula and all the matchups would change so dramatically when Kevin Durant uh, comes back, if he comes back. I mean, that kind of goes without saying. I mean, uh, you look across the board, I really don't think this Portland series that Golden State just got through sweeping really did them much of any good when you're trying to kind of compare them to Toronto because 
Uh, you know, defensively, their guards are not where Toronto's guards are. You mentioned the issues with the bigs, the overall versatility, and then Portland had nobody on the wing scoring whatsoever. And now you're looking at Kawhi Leonard, who's become this kind of do-it-all playmaker, score, you know, a guy you're probably going to have to trap at certain times. And then also Siakam, who's, you know, at least long and, and somewhat competent offensively, you know, compared to Portland's, you know, threes and fours, who are pretty much just hopeless. So uh, I think it's going to be a little bit of an adjustment, to say the least, for Golden State. Uh, but at the same time, I think Toronto is going to be going through a huge adjustment, too. They just got done playing, you know, two series that got kind of ugly at times, especially that Philly series. Uh, you know, Milwaukee, you know, once plan A stopped working for them in the half court, uh, they didn't really know what to divert to. And it just became sort of like Giannis runs into a pack of people and we'll just kind of see what happens. And, and their shooters really never got it going. Uh, I think Toronto's defense is going to be, uh, you know, pulled and stretched vertically, obviously, by Steph Curry, but also horizontally, too, around the perimeter in ways that just Milwaukee was not able to do in that series. We've got Ben Golliver from the Washington Post. One of the sharpest basketball minds has his own open floor podcast. So with that being said, Ben, I want to ask you about matchups because I was not impressed by the Raptors' offense, and I don't know how healthy Kawhi Leonard is. Um, and to me, the Bucks looked like they weren't necessarily ready yet for the Bright Lights, namely Giannis. So how, how do you think the Raptors are going are gonna to match up here against the Warriors? How are they going to play Steph? Yeah, so the thing I'd say with Giannis is I think he was ready for the bright lights. I just don't think he was ready for the claw, man. I think that that part threw him for a loop. Like, after that game two of that Eastern Conference Finals, I was there in Milwaukee. All the Bucks fans, the people around the arena were like, are we winning this thing in four or five? Like, they thought it was already a wrap. And so I think they showed up at the start of that series. And then when you put Kawhi onto him, and, and that allows everybody else to be more disciplined defensively, uh, he just got shook. I mean, you could tell he didn't have the counters. I think part of it is, his handle isn't that great. Um, so, you know, once he's, you know, running into that first line of defense, he's just kind of coming up empty. Obviously, he doesn't have a mid-range jump shot he can turn to, like, you know, a turnaround or, or that kind of a thing to, to help unlock things. And, of course, he has no three-point shot. He doesn't really trust it. So that kind of naturally just shrinks the court. So I think, uh, you know, Milwaukee was, was dealing, to me, with more X's and O's than, rather than uh, confidence. But then as that series unfolded and Kawhi keeps leading these comebacks, they still can't unlock their offense. I think that's where some of the mental games came in. But look, I mean, you want to talk about going from zero to 100 real quick. You're going from Eric Bledsoe to Steph Curry. I mean, Bledsoe was an absolute train wreck in the Eastern Conference Finals. I thought he was pretty bad against Boston, too. Now you're going against a guy in Steph who's just been on a 30-point tear, making it look easy, uh, you know, scoring on and off the ball, attracting so much attention, uh, making people think. And then he's also been there a million times before. And a player like Kyle Lowry, I mean, he was really, really excited and I, to win the Eastern Conference Finals. And I was actually impressed with the Raptors' overall focus in terms of not just, you know, being happy to be there. I thought they were really stuck to their message about how having unfinished business and not being satisfied. But for Kyle Lowry, his life's about to change really, really fast. I mean, getting to pick on Eric Bledsoe and George Hill, it's a little bit different than having to chase uh, Steph Curry around or, or Clay Thompson, however they want to do those matchups. I think he's going to be one guy I've got circled as an X factor because his life is just going to get so much more difficult. Yeah, that actually leads into my next question. Obviously, Warrior fans know how great a player Kawhi Leonard is. I think all NBA fans are aware of it by now. Um, You mentioned Lowry. Does he need to be the second best Raptor player for them to beat the Warriors? Or who on the Raptors are you circling kind of as – 
the guy who really needs to step up and provide added support for Kawhi for them to uh, beat the Warriors. Yeah, to me, it's Siakam just because of the two-way impact and just because where the matches are going to come. Like, if, if Durant comes back, you're going to need both Kawhi and Siakam to just be playing amazing to kind of hold those matchups with Draymond and KD, you know, something close to even. I think otherwise you're just going to get overpowered at those spots. And I think Siakam's offense is really, you know, it's subject to lots of volatility, right? Like, with Lowry, he's kind of settled into this part of his career where, like, he's much more of, like, a pass-first kind of orchestrator as opposed to like this big time, you know, three point shooter scoring weapon that maybe he was say three or four years ago. And that's actually worked out really well for them. I thought their ball movement improved as that series against Milwaukee unfolded. So I don't necessarily see any huge like Kyle Lowry explosion games. But to me, it's like if Siakam is neutralized like he was at times against Philly, where he was just giving them nothing offensively, I think that's where the issues of Toronto being able to score enough to keep up with Golden State. Uh, start to become an issue. I mean, they really have to get scoring from as many spots as possible. I just don't see any scenario where it's the Kawhi Leonard show single-handedly taking down Golden State, right? Like, we've seen that formula not work right. for LeBron James multiple times in the finals in the past. When Golden State's got everything clicking, I mean, even guys like Looney become these offensive threats, right? And so I think to keep up with that, you have to have a very balanced offensive attack. Those complementary scores, especially Siakam, are going to be huge. Okay. So now now let's get to the serious questions here. Draymond Green posted an Instagram video of himself going to Soul Cycle today. Was that meant to intimidate the Raptor players? To let him know he didn't just lose twenty three pounds, he's getting himself in even better shape and they better be scared. Yeah, it's just like you guys needed six, is that what he's trying to say? You know, like I'm over here, you know, I could have been on vacation for the last <laughs> week. I mean it's been a long break for the Warriors and you wonder how that will shake out. I mean the Reds versus Rusting definitely comes into play. We saw Toronto struggle in game one in Milwaukee, just totally run out of gas. I think they have a little bit more time to prepare for um, you know the finals here, but still their guys have been logging huge minutes. I mean, Nick Nurse was not afraid at all to just run up the odometer on Kawhi Leonard and some of their other key guys. So, uh, you know, for, for Golden State, you know, a, a shot to come out and try to, uh, you know, jump those guys if they're a little bit back on their heels after, you know, multiple long series. You know, that's definitely there. I mean, Golden State's only played four games in, what, like the last two weeks before the finals? So that's a really healthy rest. Uh, I can't wait to see the intimidation factor from Draymond, though, because I did think <laughs> Toronto got into that bigger brother, older brother type mode against uh, Milwaukee, where, like, once they won game three, they just felt like they could control the series and that Milwaukee couldn't stop Kawhi Leonard. I don't see that happening, obviously, in the, in the finals. I mean, the way Draymond was just punking Portland's front line game after game, you know, with the triple doubles and just, you know, racing up the court and all that. Uh, I think he's going to be trying to set a similar tone against Toronto, and that's the right way to play against them, because I think their transition defense has been really, really rough at various points uh, of this postseason. Giannis was able to exploit it a lot, uh, and, and they didn't even necessarily shoot the three ball in transition that well. Milwaukee didn't. Uh, so to me, I think that's probably what Nick Nurse is going to be focused on more than anything of like, we have to get back on defense. We have to find their shooters. Uh, and I think, again, that's a situation where the experience of having been there before, plus just the confidence in you know playing this style that's worked so well for them for so many years, is going to allow guys like Draymond, Steph, and Clay to really thrive. Love that. Ben Golliver, Washington Post, talking transition defense. This is Sam. This is why we have him on. In-depth analysis that we never do. Ben, love that. Hey, I got a question more higher level, legacy-wise. 
What does this What does this series mean for Steph, Kawhi, and why not KD? Right? Because you know, I don't. I don't think we think he's coming back till Game Three. So, what does this mean for for these players who are? You know, Sam just said they're the three best player, three best players in the NBA right now. Steph, Kawhi, and KD. What What does this mean for their legacy? Yeah, it's different things for all three of these guys. With Kevin, I feel like he's kind of screwed either way, man. I, I feel really bad for him. He played incredible against the Clippers in the first round. Started off really well against Houston too, but it's like. If he comes back and they win, they're going to say, well, they didn't need him, uh, which I think is, you know, unfortunately, I don't agree with that narrative, but that's going to be the story. If they if they lose in any way, I think he's going to get blamed before everybody else on the Warriors. Uh, and if he, comes, if he comes back and they lose, that's going to be the worst-case scenario where he's the one who, quote-unquote, screwed up and, uh, you know, he kind of threw off their momentum. So I think for him, uh, the, the legacy and the narrative talk is just basically kind of a weird ending to a weird tenure here in Golden State. And I think, you know, more likely than not, he's gone. And so it's just kind of a, a bummer and kind of a sour note to go out on. I think his only real hope is, like, coming back into a series where Golden State is trailing and then single-handedly outdueling Kawhi so he gets to be back in that savior mold. Uh, you know, I, I'm not really holding out for hope in terms of that being how it plays out. But that's really, like, his only way out of kind of a, a messy narrative situation. I think for Steph, I mean, this would be the crowning achievement, right? Like doing it with or without Durant, uh, you know, being able to, uh, you know, carry them through some tough times, kind of shaking off all that talk about, oh, you needed to recruit him from the parking lot and all that stuff. I think that would bump him up into a category where if they win the title, he gets a finals MVP. I think we're having real long conversations in mid-June about Magic versus Steph, greatest part of all time. Oof. I think that's basically two weeks away if he's able to kind of step up and, you know, out-duel Kawhi and sort of be the main force in this series. I actually think the legacy stuff, though, is most interesting for Kawhi because if you go back five years ago, I mean, he was basically an X-factor uh, type player, you know, defensive specialist. I mean, his numbers were, like, very pedestrian. In the finals MVP year when they won in 2014, he averaged, like, 12 points and six rebounds a game or something like that. So he's gone from being that Iguodala-type guy you throw on LeBron to really becoming LeBron. Like, he's going to have to do everything for this team, both offensively and defensively in the finals. I think they're going to probably have to use him on Steph at times. They'll probably see Draymond at times. If Kevin comes back, he's going to have to spend time on Kevin. So it's going to be one of those situations where, like, Kawhi has to do it all. If he finds some way to take down the Warriors, that's going to blow a lot of people's minds because he's been kind of off the, the overall radar in terms of the best player conversation and all of that for years now. I mean, not just because of the injury last year in the last season. They got knocked down in the first round by the Clippers. He got outdueled by Kevin yeah. Durant in the second round in 2016. Yep. Uh, you know, there's been some real bumps along the way. So, uh, to me, I think that's why it's, it's the most fascinating for Kawhi. I think he has the most to gain here uh, if Toronto is able to somehow pull this off. Yeah, I, it's a lot of pressure. Not, not from a legacy perspective, because I think nobody's going to give him too much you know, stuff if he loses, but it's a lot of responsibility offensively and defensively for Kawhi. Um, and it, it didn't definitely didn't look like he was 100% in that series. But, well, Ben, we'll get you out of here with one more question. Your predictions on the series. Who, who do you think wins? How many games? You know, what's going to happen here? Well, look, after watching the Raptors run off uh, four straight against Milwaukee, they've got me a little bit shook. So I was originally going to pick Warriors in five, but I think I'm, I'm going to just go a little bit more cautious, Warriors in six. I think, uh, you know, okay. I, got a, I got a lot of faith in Kawhi at this point, to be honest. I understand what you're saying about the pressure, but he's playing on a very, very high level. I think the, the way that they get knocked early 
would be if they just can't keep their bigs on the court for some reason. Like if Gasol just gets to be unplayable, if Ibaka gets into playing sort of like he did at times against Philly where it's just kind of a train wreck and you're closing your eyes, I think that's sort of the path for Golden State to make this a quick series. Uh, but if Toronto is able to you know, start off strong, I-, I could see this going at least six. Six games. Six games, that means the last game at Oracle. That would be fun. Clutching this at the last game at Oracle. Well, Ben Golliver, Washington Post, I appreciate you, sir. If you're going to be in the city covering the games, we'll meet up. Thanks. Ben. I'll be there. And look, you guys got to put the note out. I mean, Toronto kind of set the bar with the celebration after these <laughs> conference finals, didn't they? So the town better be wild if they, if they close it out in six at Oracle. <laughs> you can't turn on a three-peat, Ben. It's going to be the craziest that you've ever seen, man. Hey, I appreciate you having you on. All right, guys. Take care. Ben Golliver, Washington Post, Open Floor Podcast. Man, he had a bunch of takes there. I don't even know where to start, Sam. Whew. Yeah. Well, if you want to call in and join the show, 888-957-9570 or text into the Chilton Auto Body text line, 957-95. I think his KD take was the most interesting, uh, where he's saying he's in a no-win situation. If he comes back, um, it'll be kind of too little too late. I don't know that I agree with that. I, If the Warriors are down and he comes back and helps – them win the series i don't think that's how it's going to go yeah i do think i think there is a win situation here um i think for him it's obviously the warriors can't be up 2-0 right if the warriors are up 2-0 he's in a lose-lose situation regardless of whether he comes back and you're, you're talking in terms of the narrative and yeah. media and and, and, and all that cares about the narrative right Correct. that's that's one of the things that he cares about i i think that espn narrative that radio narrative that you know stuff on twitter I think if that's the stuff that he cares about, he is in a lose-lose situation if the Warriors go up too well. Yeah, I don't know if he, I don't know if he cares about it, but it, it's it's certainly clear he hears it. So it, that's going to make fans think he cares about it, if nothing else. Yeah. Well, we got one from the four hundred eight. Andy and Sam. Wow, spelled my name with an I. When is someone? When is an Andy spelled his name with an I, Sam? Oh no, no. Wes came in with a. Anyway, any thoughts on whether KD plays at any point in the finals? The interesting thing to me is how um, closed off the Warriors are with updates on it. There, you get the impression when the Warriors speak that uh, Boogie is closer to coming back than KD. And we really have no clue how close KD is. There's no signs that you know he's right on the edge. It's a lot of... Now, they're not saying... You know, he's on the shelf for two months either. They're just not giving us anything, which I guess makes sense at this time of year. Uh, they're not incentivized to, you know, they, they want to keep everything as in-house as possible, but it's really hard to read at this point. Yeah, I, I he'll be back, I think. I think people expect Kevin Durant to come back at some point. Um, it's not going to be the first two games, uh, probably game three. Uh, I think most likely even game four, but... It, it, it's tough for him because he was getting the talk. The talk around the league was that, hey, Kevin Durant is the best player in the world. The Warriors are up 2-0 this series. They're going to make it to the you know Western Conference Finals, or sorry, the NBA Finals, probably going to win a championship, and Kevin Durant gets his claim as the best player. And that's what he wants, and all of a sudden, it's that's not the narrative at all. It's Steph Curry now. Yeah, I mean, I keep going back to this. The three most impressive players in the playoffs have been Steph, Katie, and Kawhi in no particular order. And I think the general uh, 
basketball media and fan consensus, they don't know what to make of the fact that two of the three best players are on the same team. Yeah. It, it's it's difficult. We we saw KD play at probably the highest level of anyone in the playoffs for about eight to ten games there before he was injured. He was averaging thirty five, eight and five, something in that realm. He was making everything. It was efficient. Uh, and then the injury goes down, and Steph puts up basically the same numbers. <laughs> and you know, people want a hot take with that instead of just kind of acknowledging they're probably the two best players plus Kawhi right now. Yeah, I mean that's that's the, the perhaps the craziest part of this Steph uh resurgence the, this last what four and a half games I guess you could no five, five and a half games five and a half yeah, games five and a half games and it's that he could have done this without Kevin Durant and I'm not saying that the Warriors are going to beat the Rockets without Kevin Durant I'm saying he could put up those numbers without correct, Kevin Durant correct right he, he could absolutely put up the video game numbers James on. Harden does right yes Giannis does uh-huh. LeBron James and, and all these players that have high usage rates Steph Curry can do the same thing. The impressive part is that sometimes in these tough games, you want Kevin Durant to be the one that gets these shots because he can make shots that nobody else can. And I think that they understand that you might want Kevin Durant to make those and take those rather than have Steph Curry do what he does. And either way, Sam, like, I think they win regardless of who is manning that offense. It doesn't matter. It's just that Steph is willing to take a step back for that and, to happen. And I know, And I think Warriors fans' perspective is – I don't care. I don't care if Steph scores 25 right. and KD scores 40 or vice versa as long as they win. Yep. It's everyone else outside of the Warriors world, yep. outside of the Bay Area, who kind of wants to hot take player rankings on a permanent basis. <laughs> Sam, people ask me, like, I have people from, from outside of California, outside of the Bay Area, they'll ask me, like, well, you know, what's more fun, Andy? Like, what's more fun for you? You know, Steph kind of playing the way that he is. Or Kevin Durant playing the way that he is. And I go, you know what's fun? Winning championships. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter how it happens. You win a championship, that's the most fun thing. I know. All these all these uh, player ranking discussions, and I'm like... Come on, people! I'm just like, who cares, right? You figured it's, it out. It's just, let's... From the Warrior perspective, it's, let's get the win. I mean, Clay doesn't put up anywhere near the numbers of these guys. And quite frankly, he's not capable of putting up Steph or KD's all-around numbers. No one's claiming he is. But is there anyone in the Bay Area who doesn't adore Clay when he like pops up with one of those huge games in a big moment? Oh, man. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Did you see that Clay um, clip about him finding out that he didn't make third team, which cost him about, Somebody said what thirty million cost him a chance at thirty to thirty five million across five years, right? Right. Yeah. So he found out on on camera, and I mean, his response was incredible. Yeah. um, For those who don't know, if you make All NBA, win an MVP, win a Defensive Player of the Year, these various award metrics they qualify you for a higher max contract number. So, for example, Steph, Kevin Durant. Um, on the Raptor side, Kawhi Leonard. Damian Lillard got his Supermax. Yeah, guys like that, if you make All-NBA, if you win an MVP, you qualify for a higher max number than guys who don't. So Clay not making it disqualifies him from getting the super high number that uh, Steph, that KD can get, that all these guys can. And it was illuminating watching his response. And it was interesting to me. I don't even think he cared about the money. Um, I mean, yes. obviously he did, but his reaction was, 
Kemba Walker over me? Really? Yeah. 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 And it's not it's it's one of the things where um it really isn't about the money for Clay Thompson. It's man, I am underrated. As a postseason player, as a player that fits in a championship team, there's nobody you want as a you know second scoring option or a third best player kind of person that Clay Thompson is more than who was it Kemba Walker, Bradley Beal. I'd much rather have Clay Thompson, right? And I think his response by saying, you know what, end of the day, still got rings. That's the most important part. And if anything, that that's why you do want Clay because I mean we. The Warriors won against Cleveland four years in a row. We saw how Kyrie Irving took to being the number two there. That's the flip side to it. it Clay's reaction was very human, very normal. I, I don't blame the guy. I mean, he is a better player than Kemba Walker. I think most would say he is. He probably did deserve to make the third team. He probably did deserve to hit those qualifiers to get a higher max number. But it's not going to – like, Clay's not going to – go to the Warriors and say, I need to go to another team. I need I need my own team to show everyone how good I am, to yeah. show I'm the man. Yeah, and I, and I think most people would agree that Clay is probably signing that extension with the Warriors this summer. And he didn't have a great series against Portland. He didn't I, I have think a bad series. He, yeah, it was, yeah, it was up and down. So I think with Clay, you know how it is. It's up and series, down offensively. It was pretty pretty locked. Pretty locked, locked in. in defensively, like it always is. Yeah, Clay's probably going to have take some turns guarding Kawhi Leonard, so that'll be interesting uh, against the Toronto Raptors. Clay is always not talked about enough, but he always shows up when it truly matters. Um, we're going to head to break here. Warriors Radio, Warriors World Radio. Andy Lou, Sam Isfendiari. We're going to talk about after the break. Sam, is is Demarcus Cousins coming back? Is that is that a good thing? So, is there any words you like to say to all the fans, especially the way that you play in the Raptors? Me, how? Thank you. Warriors World Radio continues on 95.7 The Game. Here's Andy Liu and Sam Espandiari. And Warriors World Radio here. Sam Espandiari, Andy Liu. If you want to join us, 888-957-9570. Text in. To the Chilton Auto Body text line, 95795. Was that Flume? Is that a Flume remix? Ah, there you go. Uh, and Andy was feeling that one. Um, <laughs> Andy, we got a text from the 510. How crazy would it be if Draymond won finals MVP? We're just, we're just going with everybody except for Steph Curry, huh? That, that's what we're going with. So early odds are in for finals MVP. You want me to read them to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hit me. All right, the favorite is Stephen Curry at two to three. So you, you bet three dollars, you win two. Kawhi Leonard second at eleven to four. Draymond and KD tied at third, ten to one. KD obviously no one's sure when he's going to play. Uh, his odds are kind of fluctuating. KD's odds being that high makes me think people assume he's going to come back mid series, and there's just as likely a chance he's going to just turn the series and. People are going to be like, okay, it's 1-1, KD came back, they smacked him. 
his MVP. Uh, Clay Thompson, twenty to one. Pascal <laughs> Siakam, forty to one. You think, you think Pascal Siakam is a value bet? You think? You think, Sam? I think the value bet might be Kyle Lowry at a hundred to one. <laughs> um, I think it's it's probably Draymond. It's probably the value, but but here's what I think: the though. value realistic bet. Yeah, realistic bet would probably be Draymond. So that's a good text that came in. But I think from a legacy defining perspective, and I think Steph Curry realizes this. He hears to the noise. He his friends, the people that he plays with, his family they they're in his ear about this type of stuff. And while Steph doesn't care about winning the Finals MVP as much as say I don't know LeBron James or Kevin Durant, I do think that he does care. And he understands that if this is his fourth title, two MVPs, a three-peat, and he gets the finals MVP and probably is Do the you, best player in the series. Whew. Let me ask you a question. Does it matter that he wins a finals MVP? Uh, to who? Does it matter to who? To his legacy. Uh, it, it depends what kind of legacy you want, right? So I think if Steph wants to be known as the greatest point guard of all time, yeah, probably. I think it does matter. I, th- I think you want to be known as the best player I think player it's in the more series. important that he plays well. He He's played well in the la- He's played well pretty much in every finals that he's ever played in. That's what I'm saying. At, at this point, I think it might behoove him more to not win a finals MVP oh, and play well. Just so you can say, dude averaged 27 points a right, game in right. the finals. Three they times. Gave, and they gave him, you yeah. know, they gave Andre Godal the finals MVP right. because they didn't understand what he was doing because he was right. so ahead of his time. I, I at this point I don't think it matters. I think he's changed the game. I think his I think his entire legacy is defined by the fact that he changed the way basketball is. And if he doesn't have those awards, it might even add to his legacy. It might wow. be like people didn't understand what they were. Watching. So, so you think his legacy is that his impact can't be quantified or seen in a way to the average fan that people don't understand just how great Steph Curry is and can be outside of just a standard you know get buckets kind of analysis. Yeah, I was watching highlight reel of Draymond in previous finals, and there are just so many where Steph screens Draymond's man, both defenders jump at Steph, and Draymond gets an easy layup because no one's there. And you and I both know what that is. It's because everyone's terrified of Steph shooting the ball. We all know about the shooting. We all know about the scoring in general. Um, But when he does stuff like that, he doesn't get a stat for it. He's also the only player that doesn't care about not getting a stat for it, though. You know what I mean? Like, like it's a if, very Tim Duncan thing. If, if, if no, that's true. If you got numbers for, you know, getting trapped and getting a secondary assist, you know how in hockey you can get a secondary right. assist. Like, if there's such a the thing as second, assist. yeah, the, well, there you go. Steph would probably lead the league in hockey assists. I mean, and he does. It's uh, it's an actual track stat, but not anything anybody cares about. Right. Right. So that's. Uh, that's a type of impact that people, I think, don't understand um, outside of just oh, 20, 30, 10, and 10. You know? Right. And and all I'm saying is I don't think his legacy will be tarnished by not winning a finals MVP. Like, at the end of the day, if the Warriors win five, if he wins five titles and he has zero finals MVPs, but we can point back to how well he played in them, like objectively how well he played in them, it doesn't matter. Winning one isn't going to be like, ah, I got a finals MVP in there. It's not going to be a defining thing which moves him up the pantheon. Oh, the, the j- joke becomes he's never won a finals MVP. And then the other point Who cares? is the, the joke is like that he has five titles. Online? Yeah. The joke is that he has five titles, right? And so 
I, I do think from a certain perspective, he does care. And his game lends himself to almost that criticism because he does always have one stinker, right? And in a seven-game series, that's fine. More often than not, they win. But his game allows that stinker to happen. And we've seen it, and I think that's where the frustration comes from because well, high ceiling I'll also, I'd also note most everyone has one bad game in a series. Steph's bad games just tend to be amplified because he takes some ridiculous shots. Oh, they're also like... When you take 30-footers and you're missing them, it looks a lot worse than you having one of those nights where you know, you're know, you barreling to the rim and you're just not finishing at the same rate you used to. Like, like Giannis had a terrible game six, but it didn't look yeah. as yeah. it didn't look the same way Steph's bad games. Did. Yeah, like like Giannis's level of shook is different from Steph's level of shook or just bad effort or bad results. Right, might be good process, but bad results. And Steph's bad games are like three for sixteen, right, and like seven assists, six rebounds, and like four turnovers. But they're still in the game. But he just played really bad, and then or he just couldn't hit a shot. And you know, like you just said, great point about Giannis, where he didn't look great yesterday or two days ago, but he got outplayed, and it was pretty bad to where you didn't notice him on the floor most times, at all. Yeah, from the four and five, would giving Finals MVP to Clay make up for missing third team All MVP, <laughs> All NBA? I'm sorry. Um, no, it wouldn't. It wouldn't trigger any sort of contract incentive. But I'm sure he'd enjoy it. <laughs> what do you think Clay would need to do to get a Finals MVP? I, I think I think he just need to shoot. He just need to get super hot. I mean, he's absolutely capable. He he could get hot for four games in a row. That is an interesting scenario because if you look at it, Clay doesn't. There's no super hot Clay game in the NBA Finals that we've seen. There are games that he plays well, but more often than not, when you clue into Clay, um, you can probably hold him to 20, 25 points, and I think. That's where the addition and the importance of Kevin Durant comes in because while Clay is amazing in the playoffs against locked in defenses, he can play well, but you can shut that down, especially when he's the second option on offense. And so I think that's the tough part, and that's where the importance of Kevin Durant. It's like when you've got two guys and three of the greatest shooters of all time, there's really nothing you can do with the Warriors. And so the question becomes, and we asked, we asked Ben Golliver from the Washington Post earlier, and he said that the Warriors can win this series without Kevin Durant, Sam. And I, I think that I thought that was fascinating to where it, he picked that he picked the Warriors to win in six without KD. Now I, I don't I don't know if I agree. I think that's I think that's a take where you're relying a lot on someone like Draymond Green and Clay Thompson, and it almost becomes like. Are they those type of players against the locked-in Raptors defense that just shut down the best offense in the regular season? To me, it's more, are they going to get enough from the other guys? Are they going to get enough from Iguodala? Are they going to get enough from Looney? I, I trust both those guys. I know you trust both those guys. Are they going to get enough from McKinney? Oof. Are they going to get enough from <laughs> Sean Livingston, from Jordan Bell, from Bogut? Now it's tenuous because um, what you said about Clay is true, but Clay does open up stuff for other players. He he has a similar gravity to Steph. Anytime he's moving, guys are jumping at him, particularly when it's just him and Steph out there as scoring threats. Uh, but someone else has to capitalize on that. Yeah. Usually Draymond's the one capitalizing on it, but end of the day, if you're going to pull the other team's best defenders, it's only useful if someone can use it to their advantage. 
So I think that somebody has a Joey Crawford question on the text line. <laughs> um, okay, so I think this is interesting because the Raptors played the Sixers, who had JJ Redick. That was a true shooter, but JJ Redick, not you know, it's not someone you worry about too much in the postseason. Um, then they played the Milwaukee Bucks, who had a bunch of shooters like Meritich and Ilsova and. Brooke Lopez and Pat Connaughton, but are we trusting them in the postseason against a locked-in defense like the Raptors? Now, you go ahead and play the Warriors, who have arguably the best two shooters of all time, and then they'll have Kevin Durant at some point. So that vaunted Raptors defense that just shut down the Bucks is it the same as playing the Raptors? Because I don't know if the Raptors played a great defense last round. Yeah, I mean... First off, the Bucks did not play Miritich, Ilyasova, right. right. and Lopez that much because they couldn't because they become defensive liability. I mean, they were they were constantly shuffling those guys in and out. Correct? Yeah. It, none of them ever gained the the coaches' trust the way um, a Middleton or a Giannis would, right? And and Middleton is almost like a. I mean, he's a really like good a, player, but he's almost you can't rely on him game in and game out, and that's. That's the type of other player that you need. You can rely on Draymond Green game in and game out. That's the Warriors' second best player with KD out, right? And you can rely on him every single game. And Chris Middleton doesn't have the same impact. So I think of the Warriors and I think of the Raptors' defense playing against them. And I think it's just a whole different type of offense that you're going to play against. It's not, oh, we can leave Eric Bledsoe open because, you know, he shot 36, 37% of the regular season, but all of a sudden he's not showing up here in the Eastern Conference Finals, right? I think that's like, that's. I think the difference between the Bucks and the Warriors, you know, outside of, you know, all the other stuff, but it's just that the Warriors have that shooting. They have that experience. They have that finals uh, savvy that no, no other team has. I, I don't know if the Raptors are ready for that. Yeah. Um, the series as a whole, the Warriors are favored per Vegas. They're minus, th- they opened at minus 310 and then it moved to minus 300. The Raptors opened at plus 250. Now it's plus 240, which is to say since the line opened, people have been betting Toronto to win. So it's moved the line in their favor. Andy, do you, what are you reading that? Yeah, I, I think that's the general public almost wanting the Warriors to lose. Almost I don't, I don't going think that's back what it is. I think, that's, I think that's sharp money coming in on them. I think usually what moves the line is like serious gamblers. Yeah, but what do you think that they're thinking? Like, do you think that's a series? Because I think they're thinking KD will be out more than one to two games. And this ties into what the text line here is saying, 925, Warrior fans and medias that feel the team is better without KD will get a wake-up call. What are they getting a wake-up call against? Kawhi Leonard, (laughs) Kyle Lowry. I mean, this is a very good Toronto Raptors team. Kyle Lowry is not giving the Warriors a wake-up call, Sam. Pascal Siakam is not giving the Warriors a wake-up call. Would you agree with me they're deeper than the Warriors as cur- with KD and Cousins? Deeper doesn't matter in the postseason. There's only seven games left in the postseason. Okay, but let's let's take us a step back. Actually, let's do the legal ID first. Love that, love that. You're listening to 95.7 The Game, KGMZ FM, and an HD1 KGMZ, San Francisco, a radio.com sports station. Well done, sir. Well done, sir. All right, so where were we? So you're saying depth doesn't matter. My question for you is how many minutes per game can Andre Godal play? 
Andre Godala can play as many minutes as he needs before KD comes back. So here's what I think. You mean the Andre Godala who couldn't make it through the entire Portland series? I think Andre Godala could have played game four, maybe, if it was close. There's a, Warriors have nine days off between the last game and this first game. And then they also have two games off between each game. One, two, two, three, three, and four. And I don't want to say they need to hold the fort, but I think that they win one game on the road. I think the series is over. I think especially if it's game one, you got an amped up Toronto team. You got a team that's never made the NBA finals before. And you got the Warriors who, by the way, show up more on the road than they ever do at home this season. I think if they steal game one, we've seen Kyle Lowry in the postseason, Sam. He's having a good postseason. I will also note last year, the Warriors took game one in Houston and were trailing at halftime of game seven. So to say it's over if they win one, in too hot take for you. It's a little it's a little much. I I think it's going to be a lot closer than you think if Katie's out for an extended period of time. They're gonna to struggle to generate enough offense, is is my take. Yeah, but who's who's guarding? Like who like what type of because my thing is what type of defense can the Warriors play that they haven't the Raptors haven't played an offense like the Warriors, right? By the way, uh, do you know who, which team Steph averages mo- the most points against? Take a wild guess. I'm aware it's the Toronto Raptors. <laughs> Th- that's not the Toronto Raptors with, he hasn't played the Raptors with Kawhi Leonard. He legitimately hasn't. He missed the first game, Kawhi missed the second game. I think this is why it's a fascinating matchup. On paper, if KD is not playing, they're probably going to put Kawhi on Draymond. And they're going to look to, to blow up the pick and roll. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then it becomes down to, will the Warriors get enough shots hit from Andre Godala? Andre Godala hit enough of those shots in game six in Houston. We know he's a big game player. Right. But is he going to hit shots in a best of seven, not just one night? What about beyond him? McKinney? Do you want to play McKinney in this series? What about Sean Livingston? What about? I mean, there's a lot of... Right. They, they are... Pencil thin in terms of ability to create shots outside of Steph Curry right now. Yeah, you know the, the my counterpoint to that is they've always had that issue right in the postseason. Correct. They've always had that issue, and I think. I mean, that's that, why you get that's why you get uh, a Kevin Durant on your team. Yeah, work, you get two of the best it. shot creators in the NBA, and you know everything else works itself out around that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I do think that the Raptor, the Raptors are not as good. Uh, as the Houston Rockets and the Warriors had a lot of issue, uh, a lot of issues with the Houston Rockets where they were pushing even with Kevin Durant to a game seven. So um, I think I might be underestimating, underestimating Toronto. Sam might be uh, overestimating Toronto, but we've got Drew in Oaktown who wants to talk about this series. Drew, sir, how you doing? Hey, good evening, fellas. Appreciate the show. You guys are doing great, by the way. Yeah, I love that. Warrior season ticket holder too, huh? You going to Chase next season? Absolutely, they they well, uh, they brought us into Chase last summer actually to pick out our seats. So, um, well, love I'll be that. there. Love that. Love that. All right. Well, you, you, underestimating Toronto. What you got for us? Hey, the thing is, I was watching uh, I was watching NBA TV today, and they played back all six of those condensed games. And uh, you know, we were we were up uh, what we won. We swept our last series with Portland. So. You know, and and the Bucks got up two zero, and 
Toronto didn't lay down. In fact, all four of those games, that game three came a bucket away from being uh, the Bucks being 3-0, but Toronto kept fighting back in all four. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. 